You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Today we'll be discussing the COVID-19 pandemic and how healthcare facilities can be mindful and proactive. Our guest is Leanne Kiefer, an expert in the field of infection control and a noted international speaker and dental hygienist. She serves on various foundation and publication boards in the U.S. and Canada and is on the editorial review board for OSAP. Leanne is currently the Director of Clinical Services for Euphredi Group. Hi, Leanne. It's been quite a wild uh, last couple of weeks, uh, but it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk to discuss this crazy time we're living through right now. I know, Phil. You know, who has said this is our defining global health crisis of our time, and it's changing daily. As you said, it's a very fluid situation right now. And um, just before this podcast, I've learned that California is implementing some uh, special protocol to uh, advise people not to even go out until something like April 7th. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, The social distancing is taking on a whole new life. Yeah, no doubt. So during this COVID-19 outbreak, there's been a lot of information from the news that everybody's getting, and some of it is uh, accurate, some of it's not so accurate. So as dental healthcare professionals, what are the primary resources that you recommend that we use for information um, that we could rely on for our practice? And Phil, I do. It's it's so important because the emergence and the rapid increase of information that we are that's becoming available, we want to go to those trusted scientific sources. And for those of us in dentistry, our go-to needs to be the CDC and the World Health Organization. Who? Um, you know, we can also look at some information coming from um, a noted authority like a Johns Hopkins, but the primary two, CDC and WHO. And obviously that can all be gotten online. So all that information is published probably regularly, and they, I mean, almost by the minute. You know. Absolutely. And they're updating it and they will tell you when the last update was on statistics and protocols so that you do have that trusted go-to resource. We certainly encourage everybody in the healthcare profession to make sure that they're checking regularly, uh, several times per day, probably, if not more, what the latest guidance is from these resources that Leanne just mentioned. What type of face mask should our uh, listeners be wearing in the office when treating a dental patient? And I think that we have to approach this from, you know, standard precautions, Phil. The CDC has not changed their recommendation for standard precautions. And it's very different for those of us in dentistry as compared to our colleagues on the medical side who may be involved with treating, you know, a COVID positive patient. We have to think about a couple things. If we have a patient that is exhibiting symptoms that can be related to COVID, that they might be COVID positive, we have to have a written protocol for each office you know, as to prioritize how we handle that patient, you know, how we isolate, et cetera. But let's stick to the mask question. And when we're treating our standard patients um, that we do in our practice, our current recommendations don't change. We're following the ASTM levels depending upon the procedure, um, the aerosol and the time length. Um, CDC, if we are working with a suspected COVID patient, not that we're gonna be treating, but at that point, um, it's a minimum level two mask minimum ASTM level two mask. For our medical colleagues who are in a room treating a COVID positive patient, 
the, that changes because at that point we're talking a respirator mask. So there's a difference between what we do in dentistry and what medicine does. Now, if someone is giving just a uh, routine exam, what is a typical type of mask that they use for the uh, general exam? A general exam, because usually it's a low aerosol, Phil. It's going to be not, you know, no to low aerosol. We're not going to be using, um, you know, our dynamic instruments other than possibly an air water syringe. You know, at that point, a level one mask would be adequate. At the time we start using dynamic instruments that begin to generate aerosols, then we're moving into our level two and our level three mask dependent. But, you know, it's, it's important that we think about the screening process of patients before we even get to the point of what mask to choose, because we need to screen by using the right questions that helps us to triage our patients so that we are following the appropriate protocol for safety and care. So what would be a typical uh, exchange between the dentist or the staff and, and the patient that comes in in, in these crazy times we're, we're in right now? What should the patient be asked at the office or before the office through a phone call? What, what's the protocol recommended right now? You're on the right track, Phil. We want to um, work as a team. So our front uh, business staff, along with our clinical staff, first of all, send out emails to your patients just to let them know that, you know, we're ready to deal with this. We're aware of this. We're going to be asking you to work with us. And the thing you're going to say is, you know, if a patient can self um, diagnosed to a certain extent, if they're exhibiting the symptoms and those symptoms that we're looking for, Phil, um, essentially it can look a little bit like a cold or even like a flu virus, but the top three are that they would be exhibiting cough, they would be exhibiting a fever, and then the, the last symptom would be shortness of breath or you know, they, have um, they have difficulty like catching their breath, so they have difficulty breathing. Those are the three things that they're looking for, and if a patient feels that they're presenting any of those, we ask the patient to call and cancel rescheduled appointment unless it's an emergency issue. We would also then consider having our front desk team when they're calling patients to confirm or they're sending a text to confirm, remind them if they're exhibiting any of these symptoms, we would prefer that they'd call the office and let us know ahead of time. And you know, we wanna make sure that we're giving patients every chance to um, give us correct information. If we go back to CDC guidelines, Phil, it says that we need to put signs or posters on our door that says things like, you know, we practice um, cough and cold etiquette and use the CDC poster on your door as the person comes in. Or there's CDC posters that say, do you exhibit any of these symptoms? You know, if so, please report immediately to the front desk. Would it be not considered proper protocol to say, listen, if you don't feel well, Forget about the symptoms. If you're not feeling 100% your normal, strong, healthy self, stay home. Don't come to the dental office um, unless you have an absolute emergency. So if there's any signs of just not just feeling under the weather, forget about the cough, the fever. Is that acceptable in, in what's going on here? Absolutely. And not just with our patients, but with our team, our staff as well. Because right. if our staff isn't feeling well, we need to stay home when we're sick um, and figure out what it is you know, we're dealing with. What about the waiting room situation? So six people come in, there's, it's a small office and they're all, you know how some of these chairs are in the waiting rooms. Some of the small solo practitioners don't have a lot of space between them. How do you handle that? Do you suggest that the patients wait in their car and then you call them to come in individually and just eliminate the whole waiting room process and they wait in their vehicles or 
if patients aren't exhibiting any symptoms, Phil, you know, we can do business as usual at this point. Um, if a patient is coming in and coughing, you know, then we have to make a decision. Do we have a room in our practice that we can designate as isolation that has a door that we can close? We can't just say it's this operatory or treatment room that we don't use very often, but it's an open bay because in order to contain this, we have to be able to close the door. If you don't have those kind of options and you have a patient who might be exhibiting symptoms and you may need to call that person's healthcare provider, then if we can't isolate, then we might ask them if they could wait in their car because then we can go out and at the safe six foot distance, communicate with the patient or we can communicate with a cell phone with the patient. I mean, we have to be a little bit creative to be safe. And Phil, I think the other thing about the screening questions, and I don't want to lose sight of that discussion, it's not just the symptoms, but we need to have a way that we can ask our patients, you know, have they traveled in the last 14 days into, you know, out of the, out of the country and where um, COVID obviously, you know, is an issue? Or has someone that they are close to in their family, close friends, have they been around someone who's traveled outside of the country in the last 14 days? You know, those are the things that are going to say we need to reschedule. Mm -hmm. What about age, and, the age of a patient? If someone's over 60 mm -hmm. years old or over 65 years old, they're at higher risk, um, especially those that have underlying conditions, as we've heard many times on the news. Is that something that should be discussed? Uh, obviously, there's a medical history. So we know patients that have respiratory issues, lung issues, types of chronic illnesses <clears throat> that are revealed in the medical history. Should those people be encouraged not to come to the dental practice? And those are the kind of decisions that we have to use our clinical knowledge um, to make the best decisions. You're right. The demographics for this particular type of disease are looking at our geriatric patients, those that are 65 and above. What we're seeing on some of the early studies with this disease is that, you know, in most cases, it's probably going to be a mild representation of the disease. However, when you combine that with age or comorbidities, and you listed a couple of them exactly when we're talking about those that have diabetes, that might have underlying um, cardiovascular disease. Um, they're also talking about kidney disease, and obviously any other type of respiratory disease that would compromise would be a consideration to say, if this is not an emergency situation, you know, best, best practice is to rebook. As I mentioned earlier, um, in California, there's some indication that dental offices are going to be closed down indefinitely or until some point in April. And Phil, I think it's important to understand that the CDC has not made recommendations nationally about closing dental or medical, you know, individual facilities. However, you're you're correct. We've seen a number of state dental boards and it is the dental board that is um, closing the practices. Um, Virginia was one of them. Um, uh, California you spoke of. So, and they're giving a time frame. They're closing for at least two weeks or they're closing until, you know, the middle of April, whatever. But that is done by the state dental boards. And I think it's important that our clinicians stay in tune with what's being recommended by your state public health authority. And CDC has a list that's available of all the state public health phone numbers to call. Makes it very easy to download so you don't have to look for that. Um, staying in touch with your own state board um, and then looking at, like for me, Colorado.gov. Um, there's updates that's there constantly. So in addition to the CDC and WHO, let's look at our regional state resources that we have available for direction. 
So, you know, we know that we're supposed to dispose of a mask after each use. Is that correct? It's a single use disposable, and that has not changed, Phil. It's considered a medical device by FDA. So reuse of masks or using the same mask over a number of patients is not acceptable. Right. So in light of that, um, there's going to be certainly a uh, shortage of masks. It's already existing now. So what does the dentist do uh, in that case? I mean, if they run out of masks, they have to close their office down, I assume, and not treat any patients. And, and the second part of that question is, you um, obviously are very tied into this because you're part of Euphredi Group from the merger of Euphredi and Crosstex, and um, you're director of clinical services for Euphredi Group. How, how is Euphredi handling this? And is there a real problem with a shortage of masks and face shields at this point? And Phil, that's a very fair question. Um, you know, obviously, uh, this uh, public health emergency you know, has, has put a bit of a stress on supply. I can tell you from our perspective as far as manufacturing, Phil, we have been manufacturing masks 24-7 since January. Um, so, you know, we've stepped up to that challenge to try and help meet the need. What we want to say to our practitioners is, you know, you've got to figure out best options and prioritize or you know, based on your patient emergent need, who needs the care. Um, the other thing I will share is that dentists, dental offices can contact their local state board of health. They also can contact FDA. If they are in a critical shortage of masks, there are resources available through your state public health board and the FDA. If there's additional help needed. So, you know, work with your, your dealers and distributors because they are doing their best to be able to provide continuous supply as it's available, you know, for the whole. We're not going to be able to give, you know, X number of boxes, but they're going to limit distribution. And it will resolve itself over time if we all work together. I think it's important that each of our offices get a written procedure so that they have a plan, that it's not going to be a panic when their patient comes in. Make sure that you have your contact list of medical professionals as well as public health authorities at your fingertips so that you can communicate clearly and succinctly um, to be able to deal with this. The last thing I will say, Phil, is that Hufridi Group has put together some a list of phenomenal resources that are available. You can go to hufridi.com. You can also go to the Greenlight Compliance website. And the COVID information is very um, visible. And you're able to download and use that information. And we keep updating it daily. All right. Well, thank you very much, Leanne. It's been great information. And uh, let's hope very shortly this thing calms down and we get back to a normal way of life. Thank you, Phil. We appreciate your commitment to getting the message out.